Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Ayo. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michelle Majuk. When I'm not doing this wonderful podcast, I'm a researcher for NFL Network and fantasy analyst for NFL.com. And I'm Kate Majuk, your wife. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, I am a fantasy football analyst for Pro Football Focus, PFF, the lovely Yahoo Fantasy, and of course, Locked On Dynasty, Ball Blast. I am everywhere, baby. You are. You cannot get rid of me. You cannot. All the fantasy advice. Oh, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers for behind the steel. I'm, yeah, try to avoid me. (laughs) Yeah, all the advice you're getting this year might, (laughs) uh, if you're Googling, it might be from Kate Majuk. But there's there's a lot of news to get into because we're we're reaching the first full slate of preseason games. Week one. So much to watch this week. We have, as soon as we are done recording this podcast, we have the first episode of Hard Knocks with the Jets. Like, I I get stupid excited for Hard Knocks. I do too, even if we have to watch Aaron Rodgers. That intro song, there is, it might be my favorite song. Yeah, it might be one of my favorite songs of all time. Actually, so I, this is my big announcement. Uh, I got a part-time gig doing the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun for the Hard Knock show, wow. too. So, like, literally, I'm everywhere, you basically. You're literally everywhere. Yeah. But let's let's just hop right into this news and talk about how, we're, we're going to get into all the news from this past week, how it affects, you know, certain players in fantasy and just their outlook for 2023. So first up, we have Kareem Hunt, free agent still, visiting the Saints on Monday. So he went to the Saints on Monday of this week. We get a notification on Tuesday morning that it seems very likely that he's going to sign. And then all of, all of a sudden, he's instead going to go visit the Colts first before signing with anyone. This isn't really a big deal for Kareem Hunt either way, right? I don't think this is a, a great spot for Kareem Hunt to land in, whether it be the Saints or the Colts, but it is a big deal for the other running backs in either of these two teams. So first off, we after our last podcast, Alvin Kamara officially was suspended for the first three games of the season, right? But if Kareem Hunt signs there now, they already have Kendry Miller, who they drafted in the third round. Who I love. They signed Jamal Williams in free agency. And then that would be Kareem Hunt. And then Alvin Kamara comes into all of this in the fourth week. How, like, with Kamara, let's talk about Kamara first. With him being suspended for the first three games, is he draftable for you with where he's going right now? I mean, he's no. not going all that late. It's not no. as early as Alvin Kamara typically goes. But he's still, you know, going around the DeAndre Swifts, Javante Williams, David Montgomery. So, I mean, his draft class isn't super unfair, 
No, you but you feel good about taking him. No, 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 no. Um, no, no, I don't. And here's here's like part of the problem with Alvin Kamara is that based on name value, he's probably generally just going to have that like bump in yeah. ADP, which don't love that. And like I, I've talked about Alvin Kamara a lot this offseason, just the fact that like a lot of his fantasy points has come from the receiving totals, from the touchdown totals. I don't know if we can expect all that. Um, you know, it's not like over the last couple of seasons we've seen him be overly efficient. He was super efficient as a rusher to start his career and has just kind of since tapered off over the last two seasons, 3.7 yards per carry, four yards per carry, like still has never exceeded a thousand rushing yards in a season, which blows my mind. It, it just, it doesn't feel like it is in the cards. Plus you have to wait three games before you can use him. And then is there a warm-up period? Um, like, do all of these bodies between Jamal Williams, you know, maybe Kareem Hunt, Kendra Miller, like, is there enough of the piece of the pie to go around? I don't think so. Um, and I'm I'm just gonna be out on Alvin Kamara. If I need to take a piece of this this roster, it's probably just gonna be like, who's the last guy available? It's probably gonna be Kendra Miller, who I like a lot anyways. Yeah, I really like Kendra Miller as a rookie coming into this. He's very talented, and he could steal a lot of the workload. I mean, Kamara was a running back 14 of fantasy points per game last season. He was pretty much a disappointment at where you took him. He's It was a very inconsistent year for him. He and it's scored, not going to get better from here. Like, he's he's 28 years old. Yeah, and he scored just six total rushing touchdowns over the last two seasons after scoring an absurd 16 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns two years prior to that. So... I don't know, four total touchdowns last year. And then also, like, you have to think about last year with him being the running back 14. It's because he got so many receptions. He was not efficient on the ground whatsoever and didn't score touchdowns. But they had no real receivers, right? It was Chris Olave as a rookie, and that's it. What if Chris Olave steps up and breaks out in his second year even further? What if Michael Thomas is truly back? Rashid Shaheed, a rookie from last year, he showed promise at the end of the year. Juwan Johnson, have, tight end. I was going to say they have Foster one, Moreau, like, 100 tight ends on their roster. I just don't know if the same workload is even going to be close to being there for him when he comes back in week four. I'm out. Yeah, I'm like very comfortably out. Um, and also, like, it's, it's just not really a guy I want to root for this year either. So I like to, I like to pick guys that I want on my team. Yeah, I, I'm not really in the mood to root for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I want to root for Kendrick. Sorry, Murray. let's buddy. go. Yeah, but I want to. <laughs> another way this Kareem uh, Hunt story uh, affects fantasy is now all of a sudden he's going to visit with the Colts. Like this came out of nowhere on Tuesday. But the guy who nobody wanted is setting, suddenly being courted yeah. by, like, half the league. Okay. But apparently, jo- Jonathan, like, it came on the same day the reports came out that Jonathan Taylor isn't reporting the Colts training camp due to an apparent ankle injury. Apparent- but he had an ankle injury last year. Okay, That's but, what ended his but, season but last year. But apparently, it's not the same ankle. So, he underwent recent surgery on the ankle, on the other ankle from what he was injured last year. Just recently, I guess he's undergoing treatment. I don't know. There was no structural damage found. I don't know if he just went, underwent surgery to try to get, like, not have to. Pr- I don't really understand what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. And if he has a separate ankle injury, that's a concern. I mean, it's concern even if, like, I don't even know what's going on. There was no structural damage found. It's so, I'm sorry, this All whole this situation is so weird with the Colts. Like, 
literally last week they were talking about putting him on the non-football injury list, which would have precluded for a back injury, for a back injury which practicing. he designed, which he said never happened yeah. and he never reported. Um, so how do you go from like, okay, so we're going to put you on the NFI list, which like for those of you who aren't familiar, that literally precludes the team from having to pay you. Like that is the team saying you were injured doing, you know, X, Y, Z, not related to football. So because you suffered that injury and you're not available to us, we don't need to pay you your paycheck. Like that's where they were last week. So all of a sudden now Jonathan Taylor has an ankle injury to the opposite ankle and Frank Reich or uh, whoa, throwback <laughs> Shane Steichen comes out and says, uh, Taylor's absence is part of the rehab process. If you don't see him out here, it's part of his rehab. They did excuse him. I mean, it's it was so weird. Yeah, I feel like they excused him once the entire league called them POSs for this whole NFI thing. It's so weird. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm running for the hills. I want nothing to do with this team. I mean, that whole Fives thing off. was that whole thing was wrong with them making up a back injury and wanting to put him on the list to not pay him. That all didn't make sense, but now I don't really get if he actually, like, okay, so he went underwent surgery for what? I mean, what is this ankle injury? But, I mean, in the beginning of this offseason, I had him around running back five, six. He's, he's falling for me because he's so uncertain. And the whole offense is uncertain this year. Like, does Anthony Richards start as a rookie? Is it Gardner Minshew? How well were the, will their offensive line, like, recover from – the crapshoot it was last year with all those injuries. But at this point, I mean, I moved him all the way down to running back eight before this news came out. So he's behind Bijan Robinson, CMC, Pollard, Henry, Eckler, Chubb, and Barkley. But at this point, I want to mo- keep moving down further. Like, there, I don't see a reason why to take Jonathan Taylor and over a guy like Najee Harris, over a guy like Joe Mixon, over a guy like Alexander Madison. We'll see if Josh Jacobs comes back. But, like, give me a reason why Jonathan Taylor should go over them. I really can't. And honestly, like this might be the laziest reason why I don't want the headache. Yeah. Like I don't want the headache. And if, if I'm going to invest that kind of draft capital in you, like we've already seen what happened. Like there were a lot of people back in, in 2018 that invest in Le'Veon Bell, like that they were like, they're going to work it out. Something's going to come to a head like every, and I know it's a little bit of a different situation. Jonathan Taylor's still in the final year of his rookie contract, but I don't want the headache. I don't want to like, this is probably my first round pick. I don't want to spend it worrying about whether or not the guy's going to play. Like, so how far does he have to fall? So because hopefully we know uh, we have a resolution before we're drafting, like hopefully he's back at practice, but still, I mean, if hopefully, but you can't count on it. But also if he is back at practice and does that mean he actually had surgery on his other ankle? How healthy is he? Now there's two ankle injuries, separate ones on different feet. I'm confused about that. It, are we sure they're different ankles? Yeah, apparently. I mean, that's according to Roto World from NBC Sports. I used to work for them. Yeah. So I'm taking it from them. <laughs> Maybe they're wrong. Uh, but, like, how far would Jonathan Taylor have to drop? Like, if you got to the Jameer Gibbs range where he's an unknown rookie coming in, you think he's going to get a lot of receptions, would you go Jonathan Taylor over Jameer Gibbs? Ooh, probably um in that that's stemming from the the reports just that like basically it seems like obviously the team wants to utilize him all over the formation there's going to be a lot of I think you know potential usage in the receiving game especially with 
you know, Jameson Williams out for six games due to the suspension. All of that can culminate in a really, really fantastic rookie season for Jameer Gibbs. But we still keep getting reports that like David Montgomery is still involved and it could be a two headed monster. And I do think it could be a headache. I think it'll be a two-headed monster, but I still think it's Jameer a different Gibbs, kind of headache. I think Jameer Gibbs will get a ton of targets. It, the biggest question mark comes down to who who gets the touchdowns, right? I mean, last year Swift got all the targets, but then Jamal Williams stole all the touchdowns. So yeah. So would you be surprised at all if Jameer Gibbs they, was the, the thing DeAndre is, Swift? Of I remember this situation. the team trying to give a lot of like. I feel like they gave Swift chances to get in and then he would fall short and then they just put they'd be like never mind and then we just put in jamal lambs hopefully gibbs can just get into the end zone in those chances one last question he about- is a little bit smaller he's he's smaller than david montgomery so like david if you're montgomery's just not huge though he's not a big dude i mean he's not small but he's not massive i feel like we all think david montgomery is bigger than he is uh 5 10 225 that's i don't think he's 225 Per, per uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, which is my go-to source, okay, um, pro football, pro football okay. reference, two twenty-four, two twenty-four. Um, I'm, he's not five eleven, two hundred. Let's say that. Okay, that's fine. Let's give me. Uh, I'll give you one more question here: Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall? Jonathan Taylor. Why? I would they're rather both like risky. they're both risky. I do. I feel like Jonathan Taylor's issues right now stems more from the contract situation than it does from the ankle or ankles, however many ankles are involved. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I do think like exact like we we had talked about this, what, two weeks ago on the podcast when I gave my little conspiracy theory that like, oh, how weird J.K. Dobbins shows up on the pup list literally Days after this, you know, the the running back Zoom call where they talk about exacerbating injury or not exaggerating injuries uh, for the sake of like a quote unquote holdout. Like then you have Jonathan Taylor with his ankle injury and blow like the timing feels weird. And, and I think that when you look at Jonathan Taylor, he is so far and away the clear cut RB1 for this team when he is healthy. Right. The Jets, do they want to bring in Brees Hall? Or do they want to bring in, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook? Like, I feel like the answer is still yes to all of those questions. And when Brees Hall is finally healthy, he's probably the guy. But there's more question marks as to whether he's going to be the guy or whether they're going to play the hot hand. And I don't think there's any running back, even as much as it loves Zach Moss, that's going to compete with Jonathan Taylor for a full allotment of touches when well, healthy. Yeah. And Zach Moss just dealt with a fractured arm. I don't, I don't even know if he's going to make a team. I mean, fractured arm, he's going to miss don't, all wait, Don't put that into the universe. Moving uh, on but that, that is the, that is the tear break between a Jonathan Taylor and a Brees Hall. What about you? You didn't answer. Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it's close. We'll, we'll we have to, you know, look at it closer once we get to draft season is Jonathan Taylor back is Brees Hall back from the pup list there's things that can change but right now as we stand on August 8th I'd go Jonathan Taylor I'm right, moving on to another top tier running back Josh Jacobs so so much does, hostility man does not seem like it. Jacobs and the Raiders are getting close to figuring out anything for him coming back so 
According to NBC's Mike Florio, he reports the Chiefs and the Broncos are among the teams interested in Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Now, this report is silly because those are two teams in the division. I don't think the Raiders are going to really sell Josh Jacobs in the division. And- they should be interested. They see him twice a year. Like, whoops your ass twice a year. Like, yeah, I, sure. <laughs> but uh, apparently Jacobs turned down a $12 million offer from the Raiders last month. There are rumors the Raiders could rescind the franchise tender if they don't trade Jacobs. If they rescind it, he'd become a free agent. And then obviously if they trade him, then he can go get a long-term deal somewhere else. Can I ask, like, from a football standpoint, from, like, an NFL franchise standpoint, what is the benefit to rescinding the franchise tag? Is it just that you don't have – like, that's not on on – you're not on the hook for that cap space. Well, if or... nobody wants to trade you for Jacobs and you can't get any draft capital, well, for, then you get your To tender. trade him, you need to have him first sign the tender, which he's not doing. Yeah. So, like. You save $10 million bucks on the cap, I guess, if they really want to sign somebody or extend somebody. But technically, you wouldn't pay that, right, unless he signed it first? Like, that's where I don't, I don't totally get where the rescinding thing, like, this is me as somebody who doesn't understand like NFL contracts well enough and what that all means. Like I'm, I'm just curious. Um, but I, I don't know. Can you, I think the only question here is, can you picture Josh Jacobs playing a down for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2023? Yes or no. I can't picture him playing for anybody else. I really don't. Like, I feel like all of these reports. Do you think it's either Raiders or he sits? No, I just think it's Raiders. I don't really think any of these running backs have much of a say whether they play or don't. Like, they're going to lose out on a ton of money. Le'Veon Bell lost out on a ton of money, and it's way worse situation for running backs now with how everything is set up with their contracts. So I just, I don't see a world where Josh Jacobs sits, and I don't. I don't really know what team is trading for him at this point. Well, what are they giving up? Are they willing to give Josh Jacobs a huge contract? I don't know. Like, I can't really. Sure, the Chiefs say they want to, but I don't think they do. And really, Mike Florio, a lot of his reports are kind of. Well, also, but like the. No, I, I feel like Mike Florio generally like speaks the truth and. I mean, for the like for a, a team like the Chiefs or the Broncos to be interested in him doesn't necessarily mean that there's any chance. Yeah, I, of it everyone's happening. interested like, in him for a seventh round pick. And yes, twelve million dollars a year. Yeah. And like the interdivisional trade, like we did see it last year with T.J. Hawkinson, the Lions, the Vikings. Like we we saw that rare trade for a big name player. Um, but now you have TJ Hawkinson even who has been doing like a hold in situation. He's not practicing cause he wants a contract extension. Like whoever, you know, if, if you're to make the move to trade for Josh Jacobs, you do need to be willing to extend him a, a long-term offer based on the, the way he's vibing right now. And do you really picture the chiefs going all out? Like unless they offer him like, a basement kind of deal. And Josh Jacobs just says, I want to win some Super Bowls." Like that's the only situation where I could picture something like that happening. No. And like, I, I and it's just, not, yeah, I don't really know what happens with Josh Jacobs here. I think he's just with the Raiders, but I mean, this does push him down a little bit. Like I, again, I'm just happily going to take Najee Harris or Joe Mixon 
or like a guy that I know is going to get the workload that's in a similar situation to Jacobs where they're going to get all the workload. They're going to get all the goal angle touches. Like why have the headache of Josh Jacobs when you can just take Najee or Mixon who are going later than him? Yeah. I, Najee might be the best value this year. He Between the additions on the offensive line, the – the health, chemistry, like, the health. Like, I, I really do think we're going to see a big jump from Najee Harris in 2023. And I'm trying not to be a homer. No. Trying my best. I, I think his <laughs> value is so great this year. I think everybody got burned last year. And I get it because I was burned too. But yeah. um, we talked about him, like, I think a month ago or so. And you kind of sold me on him and, and dipping my toes back in the pool. And so far, it feels good. He feels like what are the safer running backs, especially taking him in the third round. I love that value for him. A guy whose value is being talked up all offseason long and being talked up as the sleeper of the year. I just, I can't get on board, guys. Okay, It's Isaiah Pacheco, right, of the Chiefs. Now, a recent report came out just a couple days ago. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports the Chiefs expect wide receiver Kadarius Toney and running back Isaiah Pacheco to be ready for week one. A, I honestly didn't even realize that there was a question mark about Pacheco being ready for week one or not. Pacheco was dealing with a hand and shoulder injury. Yeah, two off-season procedures, just cleanups. But, like, I, I knew of those. I just didn't know there was any question marks about him being ready for week one. The Kadarius Tony thing, yeah. Like, come on. Like, he's hurt all the time. He got hurt first week. Of, like, that's no surprise. But I'm going to vote to please remove... Um, any Kadarius Tony headlines from fantasy football <laughs> apps, etc. Because I'm done there. But yeah, the Pacheco was kind of the surprise here. I don't think I realized that things were maybe as like I don't want to say severe, but that things were even in question for Week One. So that kind of remains like we've seen some hype about uh, what is it, undrafted free agent generic Prince. Are we going to see another? The like, thing is, we could like Isaiah Pacheco could lead the Chiefs backfield and still just not be that great for fantasy. I mean, guy, I feel because of he was a no name and came out of nowhere. I feel like people are over exaggerating what he did last year. He took he took over the backfield in week 10. That's like the first time he got any snaps. So weeks 10 through 18, he had more than 16 touches in just one of nine games played. He never scored more than 16 PPR points. That's not like a very high amount for PPR. I mean, it's a solid amount, but never scored more than that. Even one time in any of those games, he had 10 total receptions throughout those nine games. These were his fantasy points in P in full PPR six, 10.7, 15, 16, 12, 8.7, 10, 12.9, 12.4. Those, that's so lack. Like, Ooh, good job, buddy. I don't know. Like, I don't want to take that. You're sounding mean. I don't want to. I don't want to take you that. You sound mean. Team. There's other guys going around him that just have more upside. They might not. I mean, they might be nothing, right? But they offer way more upside than Pacheco will ever offer. Like, you can take James Cook or Rashad White or, I don't know, Rashad Penny. It, they could end up being, or Khalil Herbert later. They could end up being absolutely nothing for sure. And, it, you know, with Isaiah Pacheco, you at least know you're going to hopefully get 10 points. You can find 10 points on your waiver wire at the running back position all season long. At that point in the draft, about 
seventh round, you're still trying to get guys that can be league winners for your team. And Isaiah Pacheco's not that. So there are two things that I look at when I look at Isaiah Pacheco and I'm worried about what we might see. First, I'm looking at the target share. There were just two games all of last season, including the postseason, which remember they played three games because they went to the Super Bowl. So two total games out of 20 where he saw more than two targets in a single game. That is alarming. So you had uh, back in week 13, three targets, caught all three for 23 yards. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Um, then finally, in the, the conference championship, t- six targets, five receptions, 59 receiving yards. But then it came okay. with like his worst rushing game yes. of his career. Ten carries for 26 2. yards. 2.6 yards yeah. per carry. Like, like, like I don't know. Like I, He... I think people were caught off guard with what he did do. And he, he, when you watch him, he looks good as a rusher. Don't get me wrong, but he runs so tough. And yeah. I think like when you watch him run it, you get caught up in his rushing style because he looks like he's literally running for his life. But the other metric that I, I keep looking at for Isaiah Pacheco is the offensive snap count, right? So like you, you see his involvement on the field and yes, it took him a little bit of time to get warmed up last year, but like there were just three total games where he played more than 50% of the team's offensive snaps, including the playoffs, including the playoffs. So that is three out of 20 games. Like for comparison, Najee Harris played more than 56% of snaps in all but two of his games last season. That is a big difference. Like you're not on the field for more than half the snaps in most games. Like that is. Well, no. And, and they brought back Derek McKinnon, who's definitely going to be, you know, it's a lot of the, lost opportunities, stealing all the receiving work. And then they see uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire missed a ton of the season last year. And yeah, Pacheco, Pacheco should still be the starter over CH. Like I think he's earned that, but at the same time, if he's back and he makes the team and he's there, he's going to get snaps and touches and then also this Prince dude, undrafted free agent. Generic getting, Prince, baby. Is getting a lot of hype. I am so out on Pacheco. Yeah, I think I'm out too. And like, let's talk about maybe some players in a similar range that you would draft over him. James Cook, James Connor, All of whom I think have risks. Rashad like, White. Yeah. But I think all of these guys that I, I would probably bet to have at least the same, if not more, involvement as receivers. Yeah, I just, I'm not interested. Or, like, you could grab wide receivers or a tight end or a quarterback in that range. Like, it doesn't have to be another running Fun back. fact, you can draft whatever position you want. Yeah. All right, moving on, though, to another uh, to a running back I just mentioned, Rashad White. So, there is actually a worry about him. And mm-hmm. so, the latest reports coming out from ESPN's Jenna Lane, she expects running back Chase Edmonds to open the season as the Buccaneers' third down back. This does not mean Chase Edmonds is anywhere on my radar for being drafted. But if that is true, and Edmonds is going to be the third down back for this team, that kind of really hurts Rashad White's upside, right? Like, he might still be the first and second down back, but the whole reason he was even viable in any games last year for fantasy was his receiving work. And the whole reason why anyone's interested in him in a, in a Buccaneers offense that we think is going to be pretty bad overall is because we think he could be a three down back and get all the touches or mo- the majority of the touches. 
what does this mean for you? Does it hold any weight for you or you're just ignoring it? I'm not ignoring it. I'm I'm processing it. Uh, but I don't think it's like as as tremendously ginormous as you might think, right? Like every three down back, like it, I, I don't project with Rashad White's usage last year that he's just going to stop earning any three down plays. Like I, you're not going to remove him entirely from the mixer just for Chase Edmonds, who is a fine third down back. But is he an elite third down back? I don't necessarily think so. In Rashad's white in Rashad White's lone game without Leonard Fournette last season, scored almost twenty fantasy points at a seventy percent rushing market share. So like he got the bulk of the touches, right? Like regardless of of first, second, third down, he was running the ball the majority of the time in that game that he had without Leonard Fournette. In that game, he got nine of nine targets for forty five receiving yards. Like not not overly efficient there, but he was heavily involved, and I think he's got a lot of room to grow. But, you know, I think looking at his 2022 season, it, the offensive line was a disaster. There were injuries all over the place. Like, you look at Leonard Fournette's efficiency. Like, every efficiency metric for the running back position in 2022, it's Rashad White at the bottom of the list, and then right right beneath him, it's Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Like, this was just a very inefficient rushing scheme. I don't think Edmonds is going to do much. And you know what? Like he's he's exceeded 100 rushing attempts once in his career so far. Like he's not going to make enough of a dent, I think, in the rushing department to really overly concern me. No, I'm not scared about him in the rushing department at all. But we have seen him with the Cardinals be a pretty good pass catching back. Most target, most like what four out of his five career seasons. Uh, hasn't exceeded more than 35 targets in a, in a season. Like, I get it. targets, yeah. He's he's involved, but... But he did have the 67 target and the 53 target season with the Cardinals. You know, 2021 was kind of his best year there where he was getting really utilized in the passing game, but he, he then dealt with injuries for five games in 2021. But I, I think this is what hurt Chase Edmonds. He goes to the Dolphins and so many fantasy people were so excited for him to be with the Dolphins and he did absolutely nothing, right? So now I feel like people have just shoved him away and thrown him out in the garbage. He could be decent. And I, I talked about a couple episodes ago, Sean Tucker, an undrafted rookie there, he was supposed to be drafted in third round or earlier and he's super talented out of Syracuse and he's back healthy right he's he's participating and practicing he could steal some role some carries and snaps I don't know like I cannot decide how I feel on Rashad White so let me say a stat right now that is on the Rashad White side so Rashad White is one of just seven running backs to have 100 plus carries and 50 plus receptions in their rookie season since 2017 the other guys are CMC, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, and Najee Harris. This is a talented group of running backs. And, yeah, he was not efficient on these touches. And, yeah, he had Tom Brady, who was peppering him the most ridiculous targets that kind of skewed these numbers. But still, to be a part of that group, 
says something. I can't decide. I can't decide. <laughs> and the the great thing is Rashad White isn't going too early, right? He he is. That's a later the thing draft that pick. it comes down to for me is the the draft price. I think if he falls to the seventh eighth round, and I still need some running backs because I kind of laid off of them a bit, I'm okay taking Rashad White without expecting him to do a ton. Yeah, I I think that's that's fair. I think you need to go in with like expectations that you are drafting an RB2 and he will probably have some RB1 weeks. He will probably have some RB3, RB4 weeks. But end of season, I find it really hard to believe that Rashad White doesn't finish at least somewhere around RB24. Like, boom. Yeah. All right, let's talk about another running back. Your baby. We love running backs, man. Your baby boy. So Houston Texans head coach. I love this guy. Said that Damian Pierce will be excellent. And Bobby Slowick's run game. Mm -hmm. So Bobby Slowick is a new offensive coordinator for the Texans. He was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers last year. So they, you know, they're talking about him bringing over the 49ers run scheme and how, you know, the running backs have such great holes and opportunities and space to work in this type of scheme. So if Bobby Slowick really does get to do a good job implementing this, you expect these running backs to have success in the running game if their offensive line can get it done. Now the concern is, you know, how much work does Devin Singletary take? You know, will Damian Pierce break down like he did last year in his rookie season? But I'm I'm getting hot on him, Kate, and I think you'll you'll like this. I mean, please like give me your breakdown because I've been in on Damian Pierce. I don't know if you guys remember like a year ago, um, probably like to the week or something, um, probably like right around a year ago, we did our bold predictions episode. And I said, Damian Pierce will finish as a top 24 running back in 2022. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, oops, he Oopsies. was amazing. <laughs> And he was elusive, um, led all running backs in PFF elusive grade, which grades the running backs on their own performance, not just offensive line. Um, Now you have a number of other like pass catching weapons to actually deter a little bit of attention from Damian Pierce. Like, what is there not to like about Damian Pierce? Can you give me that? Like, I can't really because I'm getting on board with him. So a lot of last season in the games he did bad, it was, you know, the team got was getting down a ton and they're entering the second half down by 20 points and they had to go away from the run game and they would put in Rex Burk- Burkhead as why? a receiver. Like, back. why though? Yeah. I don't know. They trusted him more to, he was more of a veteran. They trusted him more to be the pass blocking guy to catch the passes, blah, blah, blah. So Damian Pierce didn't get to play a lot of second halves when they were down by 10. Plus he dealt with injuries there at the end of the season. But he had nine games in his rookie season with 15 plus carries he averaged a very super solid 14.1 points per game in those games. That's the same amount of points as Tony Pollard scored last year in PPR. Mm, he had, I hear you're pretty pretty high on Tony Pollard, yeah. Michelle. He had 12 plus points in eight of his nine games. Like He's a very solid RB2 even last year when he got the workload. I fully expect him to get the workload this year. I think the whole team will be better with C.J. Stroud, with their new uh, head coach, Jimmy Ryans, with their new offense coordinator, Bobby Slowick. And just all the pass catchers they have as well. Like I think they're going to have more scoring opportunities, not be down so far in games. I'm not saying they're going to win a ton, but maybe not get their booties kicked every game. And my biggest thing is Damian Pierce has talked about all offseason long 
I, I, I'm studying Christian McCaffrey because I want to be a pass catching back. I want to be just a, a playmaker, not just a, a just a running, a running back. back because they know that's how you get paid in this league. You have to do both. And so look far at Damian Pierce, youngin taking look, lessons early. Not only did he just say it, he is showing it in all of training camp pieces. Like he's making really impressive catches down the field, not just little short dump offs. He's making impressive catches down the field. We'll see if they actually use him in that way. But Rex Burkhead is gone. All of their top targets from last year are gone. There's targets to go around. I am, I think Damian Pierce, you can get him at the very, very end of the fourth or even in the fifth round. He could be a steal this year. I mean, I, I don't have a lot to argue with there because I have definitely been in on Damian Pierce. And I just like looking at the situation, right? You have a rookie quarter. Like I, I understand the uncertainties, but none of these uncertainties are any worse than the uncertainties that this team was dealing with last year. Like, they can't be any yeah. worse. Like Davis Mills, yeah, I'm going to take rookie CJ Stroud any day. Um, you know, Nico Collins, yeah, I'm going to take, uh, you know, John Mechie, who is essentially a rookie wide receiver. Tank Dell. Any Dell. T- yeah, Tank Dell. Like, I'm going to take all of this over what they were dealing with last year. Philip Dorsett. Like, who were the Texans? I don't know. Um, nobody knows. Chris Moore. Chris Moore. Like, yeah, I'm going to take. Woods. I'm going to take, well, no, Robert Woods this year, unfortunately. Um, But you know what? Veteran talent, that's fine. They need, they need some veteran talent, but like, I'm not saying it's going to be the prettiest offense, but, but I do think that this team has added enough to make you pause and to make the defense pause for even just a second longer. Yeah. And that's going to help Damian Pierce tremendously where like he was already so good when you already knew it was coming. I mean, I got Kate on this Damian Pierce train and she's oh, not, my God. she's not going to stop. So I'm going to move us along before this becomes a Damian Pierce podcast. Should we start a Damian Pierce podcast? You know what? We might be able to fill up enough minutes of it all year long. If I'll just, just put, me, I'll yeah, just put me on a mic alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll move on to a different position, right? There's some wide receiver news too. It doesn't have to be all running backs. This one, to be fair, we do love the running back position. Really I think do. both of us love the running back position in general. We do. It's my favorite for sure. Uh, but the athletics, Charlotte Carroll says Giants wide receiver Jalen Hyatt has been a standout performer early in training camp. I did want to bring him up in general. So it's not really just about this report. I think this he's a rookie, right? He was drafted in the third round by the Giants. And there were a lot of projections, a lot of mock drafts that had him in the first round of drafts for much of the offseason leading up to the draft. And then kind of to the draft, he was falling a little bit, but most had him in the second round. And then he falls all the way to the third, to the Giants. Honestly, could he be the wide receiver one for this team? Because they have no definite wide receiver one. Are we overlooking him? Is this a guy we should be taking a chance on late in our drafts? Yes. Yes. I I actually think we are. And I actually, so like it, very interestingly, like he and Tennessee team and teammate Cedric Tillman went like very closely against one another. I really like Cedric Tillman. He was my preference in terms of wide receiver. Like if I was like, if I could pick one of these guys for the Steelers to draft, who would it be? It would have been Cedric Tillman, but Jalen Hyatt is. Mine a, would have been Jalen Hyatt. Just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, 
very yeah we'll have to talk about that at some point uh, but yeah third round pick with Tennessee in his final season had a huge breakout 67 catches 1267 receiving yards 15 touchdowns Fred Bletnikoff award winner all-american honors like Which this means dude best wide best receiver wide receiver in, in the FBS like yes this dude dominated college football specifically he dominated Alabama football which Alabama was not a defense to be dominated and Jalen Hyatt did it um but a lot of that I think came on the back of an injury to Cedric Tillman we don't know what would have happened if Tillman were healthy but last year 2022 Hyatt was one of the best deep threats in all of college football like not the biggest guy, but tied for the fifth most receptions of 20 or more air yards, led the FBS in deep yards. It, like this dude was so productive downfield. And that is what the Giants were missing last year. Like it, Daniel Jones literally just peppered, you know, like five targets down or five yards down the field. Like that's where he was throwing. And the additions they made too, like they they've added a bunch of receivers, but they're all slot receivers who are also probably going to be targeted like six yards down the field. Maybe you get Darren Waller as an intermediate threat, but like Jalen Hyatt feels like the best deep threat this team has right now. And I do think that's going to be an important role in, you know, the next stage of this offense's development. Yeah, and it's like Daniel Jones has been a pretty decent deep thrower throughout his career when he's done it. He just hasn't done it a whole lot. And maybe it's because he hasn't had the weapons. But, like, we've seen uh, Darius Slayton had a, a good run there, a pretty solid fantasy production last year. I think Jalen Hyatt is a better talent than Darius Slayton overall. I think he can become that deep threat while they have 100 other, other small slot receivers. Like, Jalen Hyatt's at least six foot. He's on the skinnier side around 190, but he is super fast. No, he only ran a 4-4. I say only, right? He ran a 4-4 at the combine, combine, and everyone was surprised by that. Like, it was on the slow end. But he plays a lot faster than that, and he's getting so much hype out of camp. He has a ton of splash plays. I'm not saying Jalen Hyatt's going to be great this year, but I think he's a guy that maybe we need to look at and maybe need to take a chance on super I mean he, you can get him in the last round of your draft and possibly he's a wide receiver one for a team and I think that's worth the shot I genuinely believe this year that Daniel Jones and you guys can read a little bit more about this in my uh my 2023 all breakout team article debut with Yahoo talked a little bit about Daniel Jones and why I think this is the year like yes he had a very good 2022 but I think this could be the year that he really takes it over the top. Like last year, what made him a top 12 quarterback was his legs. I think his arm based on the weapons that he has based on specifically the additions of Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt, that could make him like a top six fantasy quarterback. And I genuinely believe it. And yeah, if Daniel Jones is going to be throwing to Jalen Hyatt, then yeah, Jalen Hyatt might be worth considering and drafting with like your last pick in fantasy. Yeah. All right. And last piece of news here I wanted to bring up. So this past week, Ron Rivera has come out and said like he wants to, he, he likes what Sam Howell, because there's a quarterback competition right now for the commanders, right? So head coach, a Ron, quote unquote competition. Yeah. Quote unquote. 
So he said he really likes what he's seeing out of Sam Howell, but he wants him to be more concise. And then right after that, he says, don't sleep on Jacoby Brissett. Right? So everyone was like, ooh, maybe this isn't Sam Howell's job. Well, there was a, a guy on speaking on the sports junkies, Chris Russell of the team 1980. He said he's apparently been at these practices, and he said that the commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, has handled 100% of the first team snaps in camp. I fully believe this is Sam Hall's job. That's a lot of percent. That's a lot of percentage. Like I, that's all. That's almost all of them. Like I, I, I think at this point, Ron Rivera is just trying to make sure Sam Hall stays on his game. He knows. Yeah, is he just job. like trying to kick him in the butt? Or? Well, I also he probably wants to still give Jacoby Brissett a reason to give it his all as well. But anyways, oh, I, that's a good. Coach. I think this is one thousand percent Sam Hall's job. And I wanted to talk about. I, I think he's a very sneaky draft pick late in drafts Mm -hmm. you can get him in one of your last rounds of the draft and no you don't want him to be your first quarterback you have to start in week one although he does have an amazing matchup (laughs) against the cardinals so if you have to start him it's really not that big of a deal i would literally like dfs dfs DFS, yes yes week one right i want you to take a pen right now write down sam howell against the cardinals week one dfs you're welcome for winning you money his salary is probably gonna be like five thousand dollars like it's gonna be ridiculous it's gonna be so cheap but your winnings is probably gonna be like five thousand (laughs) dollars and you can send us a venmo tip whenever you we gotta make the rest of the team good that's not on us we'll we'll maybe help you out when we get closer (laughs) Uh, anyways I, I feel like no one's giving Sam Hall a chance because yep. he's a fifth-round quarterback last year. The thing is, he wasn't supposed to be a fifth-round quarterback. As you're entering the draft, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, who does all the prospect rankings for all of the players in the draft, he had him as his 48th overall-ranked prospect, like entering the exact day of the draft. He was supposed to go late first round, second round at the latest. And he falls all the way to the fifth round. Which Falling to day three was one of the most insane. It doesn't make any sense because all of his stats say he should have went higher. But I think people got the Baker Mayfield jitters. Like, because he reminds people of Baker Mayfield just because he's, you know, he has the same body type. That's really it. It's the only reason that people think of it as Baker Mayfield. They kind of got screwed in that way. And I, I think that's really all that happened. But how? But also, like, I, I think this this entire, like, league, you saw quarterback jitters. And, I mean, Kenny Pickett, first quarterback off the board, didn't go till mid-first round. Everybody fell. Like, you know, Desmond Ritter, second quarterback off the board in the third round. What do you see quarterbacks fall like this? Like, everybody had cold feet on this quarterback class. So, like, you know, Sam Howe was my quarterback one in this class. And th- there were – plenty of rumors that he could go top 10 let alone for a really long time fall to the fifth crazy yeah so according to pff sam hall had 83 big time throws in his college career that was 17 more than any other fbs quarterback from 2019 to 2021 also like in his final year he showed his mobility so much like he can run the ball and get yards on the ground which is so important when it comes to fantasy football but Howell was one of what one of four FBS quarterbacks to have 3,000 plus pass yards and 800 plus rushing yards in a single season in college since 2017 these are the other three guys that stun it Lamar Jackson at Louisville in 2017 Kyler Murray at Oklahoma in 2018 oh. Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma in 2019 oh Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts are the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. You yeah. know what all these guys also have in common? 
They're among the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, which is insane. And they're among the best fantasy producers in the league when healthy. Listen, Sam Howell does not have the mobility like those guys, but it is wild that his stats. It's pretty darn good, though. Yeah, it is good. He's not the same kind of athlete. Yeah. And in his his one start last year, he had one single start. He put up 35 rushing yards. He had a nine yard rushing touchdown, which like he you you saw his athleticism in that play. He dodged some defenders and scored a touchdown. He th- and also like to talk about his big time throws and how big of an arm he has. He threw a perfectly placed bomb to Terry McLaurin for 52 tar- yards in that game. He had three separate 20 yard, 20 plus yard receptions to John Dotson in this game. Again, this was his first start ever. He had 18 passing attempts. He scored 18.3 fantasy points in that game. Again, one start to compare to another rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, our guy for the Steelers. Kenny Pickett started 12 games. He scored more than 16 fantasy points in one game. One game and 12 starts. Which well, is crazy because he had some rushing production. Yeah. And Kenny and Howell scores 18.3 in his very first start. Howell scored two touchdowns in his first start. Something Kenny Pickett didn't do at all in any of his 12 <laughs> games. Michelle, I'm going to drop a stat on you here. Yes. Sam Howell has yeah. been a QB1 in 100%. <laughs> of his starts as an NFL quarterback. So take that run with it. Um, I, I mean, seriously, all you have to do is look at his rushing production ranked third in the FBS with over 1100 rushing yards in the regular college football season. Third most in the league uh, in the NCAA ranking only behind Malik Willis in PFF rushing grade in his final season at UNC. Like, hello, no, I, and you know when I love taking him, right? Like, if obviously, if you're going early, you're taking Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, or, you know, even if you take, you, you do those middle quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert type guys, like, you're probably not going to take another quarterback. You, the, the, these are your guys that you're counting on, especially those top three guys. You're not going to take another one. You're starting them every single week. But if you get left with the later in the draft and you're like, oh, I waited on quarterback. I took Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins or even Daniel Jones, who you expect to be good. That's when I'm willing to be like, okay, I didn't spend a very high pick on my first quarterback. I'm going to then take Sam Hall, a second quarterback on my roster. I'm okay rostering two guys when I didn't spend an early pick on one of the quarterbacks. And just see, does Sam Hall break out? And did I just get a steal here at the the end of the round? When we know Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins are good, they're fine, but there's going to be certain games they're not so good and fine. Can you get someone that's breaks out and that's even more consistent than them or even has a higher ceiling? That's my favorite way to, to go in those drafts. I absolutely love it. Um, literally just submitted an article today about Sam Howell. So I love when like our podcasts come together with work I'm already doing and like researching. Cause like you came to me today and you were like, what about Sam Howell? And I, I was say, like, what about Sam Howell? I've been on him all No, no, no. I, I mean, for to discuss for oh, today's show. I was going to hurt you. And I okay. was like, yes, absolutely. Let's talk about Sam Howell. Um, talked about him in this article for PFF. Right now, on average, he's being drafted as a QB 25. Right now, in their projections, which are generally pretty good, he is projected as the QB 15 for a, a full season of games. So. Yeah, and I won't be shocked if he's top 12 quarterback. He has some big games. For real. And again, write it down. Sam Hall, 
against yeah, the Cardinals. Week one, baby. Week one. I cannot wait to Hopefully play week one DFS. Let's go. Hopefully it doesn't bomb in the preseason and like Jacoby Brissett mm. starting. We might have to go back to this uh, episode and just delete it all. I will. Oh, okay. Okay. We will not. We will best, not, but we will be mortally embarrassed. Best podcast producer ever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's it for today's show. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions. I'm Michelle Majuk. You can find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Bob Blast M, Bob Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me on X at Kate Majuk. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>